good to be here with you this morning. Uh, as I walked in, Sean told me that I looked like the, the coolest preacher in town, and I think that's something that we can all agree on for sure this morning, but, uh, but I'm about to be the warmest too, so uh, I'm, I'm trying to mentally prepare for that. Uh, it's, it's good to be here. Uh, we, we haven't got to come very often the past year or so, and I certainly haven't got to stand in front of a live audience and teach the Word of God, so I'm, I'm definitely thankful and, and feel that it's an honor and a privilege to be able to, to do that for you this morning and, and as we sing praises to God and commune with Him at the table. Uh, it, it's a great blessing to be here this morning. The topic of consideration I want to discuss is the, the topic of forgiveness through the lens of a parable that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, I've had this lesson for a while now, but uh, this past year and now, it, it just seems more timely than ever as, as we see the world around us uh, are, are more unwilling to admit their wrongs, are, and even more so are unwilling to forgive others. Even when folks ap- apologize and, and strive to make changes, the world likes to hold grudges over everyone else for the wrong things that they do. And sometimes that can even creep in to God's kingdom. And that's something that Jesus preaches against time and time again as we see here within this parable. We won't take the time to read it all right now. We'll read bits and pieces throughout. And by the end, of course, we'll get the whole idea, the whole picture of what Christ is trying to teach his disciples. The first thing that I do want to do is I want to introduce uh, the cast of characters that we find in this parable. And the first character we find is this king. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 23, Jesus said, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Jesus opens up most of his parables with that phrase, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. So Christ had been teaching something beforehand, or he had taught his disciples something, and then he goes into a parable where he talks about what the kingdom of heaven will be like. And that kingdom of heaven, of course, is the church. So Jesus is saying the church is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So, so I imagine that this king uh, had looked at his finances and, and he had seen his servants and maybe he had given the servants some money to, to deal with, to try to grow. And so the first, or the second character that we read about, we'll call him servant A for the time being, uh, there in the next verse it said, when he had begun to settle accounts, One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So the second character is the servant who appears to owe the king a lot. And then, of course, there's the other servant, servant B, there in verse 28. But that servant, who is the first, went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. So we've got two servants and we've got a king. Now, who do these characters represent? The king represents God. And in most of Christ's parables, the owner of the vineyard, there's several parables where he talks about uh, God being the owner of a vineyard. And then usually the the people that are within the parable are going to be the people in his kingdom. Sometimes they're not, but a lot of times they are. And so that first servant, I think, can relate to you and me. And then the other servant can relate to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe perhaps even our fellow man. And so I want to take a close, hard look at that first servant this morning. I want to want us to examine our hearts, want us to see where we're at, uh, especially when it comes to forgiveness. Because as I mentioned before, it seems 
like more than ever, the world is so unforgiving that we can allow that same mindset to creep in our lives from time to time and allow that, that kind of, uh, of treatment to each other to creep in to the church. The first thing that I notice about that first servant is that he has a great debt that's ultimately forgiven. Like we mentioned, this servant owed the king 10,000 talents. And all that a talent was, was a, it wasn't a skill or an ability, but rather a, a measurement of weight that they used uh, for money back in those times. And so 10,000 talents converts to millions of dollars. So, so let's say $2 million. So the common person back in that time and, and even the common man today, there's no way that they could accumulate a fund that much to pay back somebody throughout their lifetime. It would be very difficult to do. I guess you could go start buying a bunch of scratch-offs, but you're probably not going to get $2 million to pay somebody back. And there's no way that this servant was going to be able to do that. And before we become servants in God's kingdom, we have a similar debt that we cannot pay off, the debt of sin. Look at what David, how David describes his sin and his iniquity in Psalms 38 and verse number 4. He says, my iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. Uh, we've been watching quite a bit of Marvel movies lately. And there's Thor and he's got his hammer. And I don't know what it's made of, uh, but he's the only one that can pick it up. So he's really stronger. He's, he's just able to carry it. And he throws it at, a, at one of his enemies and it hits him and they fall down. And then they're trying to move and they just kind of squirm around and they can't, they're not even close to budging and they can't quite get up. And I imagine that a similar burden is placed on our hearts when we sin and when we don't have the forgiveness of God, when we aren't washed in the blood of Christ. And as we realize, uh-oh, I've got this debt, I can't pay it off, I've done something wrong then I feel like we're in a similar situation in our hearts. Well, what do I do? What hope do I have? What hope do we have? Ultimately, the servant was pretty hopeless. There was no way he could pay that debt off. So what he get, does is he begs. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. First off, I'm not really sure that was completely true. I don't know if he could have even got close to paying the king off. But he begged. And then in verse 27 it says, Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Ultimately it was up to the king. The king got to choose. The king had the fate of that servant in his hands, and he chose compassion and mercy and forgiveness. That took great sacrifice for the king. It's not like the king was just throwing away a, a dollar bill or anything like that. You know, this was millions of dollars. This was some very useful funds that this king could use in the kingdom. But instead, he forgave that servant. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 30, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Think about that burden of sin again. Too heavy, too burdensome for us. And then compare it with Christ's burden that he mentions. He says it's light. That burden is like a feather compared to a giant weight that we can't shake, that we can't move. 
And I think that part of what Christ was teaching there was his forgiveness. The burden that Christ calls us to bear is minimal compared to the burden that sin calls us to bear. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28, as Christ instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. We have a solution. The king has offered forgiveness and mercy to us. And we praise God for that. As we mentioned, that took great sacrifice. Jesus shed his blood for the remission of our sins. Jesus paid off our debt. Jesus paid off our debt. And as we become Christians, as we're washed in that blood of Christ, and we're born again, made a new creature, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 9, we read, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a blessing. There's great comfort in that statement. That as Christians, if we confess our sins to God, we continue to make changes, we continue to do our best, God is faithful and just to forgive us. God is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what we desire. That's what we need if we are to serve in his kingdom. And so that's ultimately the first thing that I notice about that servant is that he had a great debt that he didn't really deserve to be forgiven of, but the king gave him forgiveness anyways. So now we kind of come to the real question is, are we unforgiving? Are we unforgiving? There in verse 28 of the parable, uh, Jesus continuing teaching says, But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Doesn't that sound familiar? And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So this is obviously a pretty terrible thing that the servant's done. So a hundred denarii back in those times was obviously a much smaller amount. It might be a month's wages, might be a thousand bucks or so. And so the servant, he's begging him, he says, okay, give me some patience, I'll be sure to pay you back. Which was a true statement. It wouldn't take him very long to accumulate those funds. It wouldn't take him very long to make up that debt. But instead, that servant, of course, throws him into prison till he should pay the debt. And so, are we like this servant? Are we patient with others when it comes to forgiveness and mercy? Do we hang it over others' heads? Will we not allow them to have some time to try to right the wrongs that they've done to us? You know, we can be awfully hesitant when it comes to forgiveness. And I think that that is realized there in the verse prior to the parable. When Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Now, I don't know the situation behind Peter's question. I don't know if he couldn't count to eight. Or I don't know if he had forgiven somebody seven times in his lifetime and he thought, that's pretty good. I think that should be the standard. Seven times, that's a lot. That's a lot to forgive somebody. But notice the hesitance, 
if you will. To forgive someone seven times seems like a lot. But what we notice, what Christ teaches us, is that repentance calls for forgiveness, no matter the number. In Luke chapter 17 and verse number 3, Jesus said, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. It's not a question. It's a command. If your brother comes to you even seven times in a day, repentful, forgive him. Repentance calls for forgiveness. I think that's very clear in the scriptures. And not only that, but it's completely reasonable. Forgiveness is completely reasonable. There in verse 32 of the parable says, Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? Shouldn't you have forgiven your fellow man, just like I've forgiven you? Now sometimes we might see ourselves, we might look in the mirror, and we might think, how silly is it for me to, to hold something over someone else's head? Especially if they've apologized and tried to make things right. Because ultimately God has forgiven us much greater than we could ever forgive our fellow man. Right? We're, we're, we're comparing pennies to millions when it comes to God forgiving us that great debt, the unpayable debt from our own. But instead, we hold it over everyone else like, like they've done something so evil against us. And sometimes people do sin against us. As humans, when we're involved with each other, we're involved and in, in, in active in each other's lives, People are going to sin against us. We should somewhat expect that. And, and it's sad that that's the way it is, but that's kind of the way it is. When humans are involved in much of anything, we try our best to mess it up. But God has ultimately forgiven us. He offers that forgiveness to us, and we shouldn't hold that forgiveness from others. We shouldn't hold that forgiveness from others. Paul talks about this several times in his letters to the early church. And I just want to notice a couple there in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32, he says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And also Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Sounds a lot like the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Well, this time, God has treated us so well God has treated us so good, we should treat others so well and so good. We should offer forgiveness to others for their wrongs against us. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now I want to take that idea of, of your reasonable service, right? Because of the mercies of God, because of what He's offered us, it's reasonable for us to give our all to Him, to give our all back. Can't the same thing apply to forgiveness? Because God has forgiven us so great a debt, it's our reasonable service to be forgiving to others. Let's not be the unreasonable people in the kingdom. Now the world calls us unreasonable, 
The world thinks if you've done something wrong, you should pay for it. Depends on what it is. But you should pay for it. You don't get another chance. But God calls that reasonable. So what happens in the end? Well, the end, of course, uh, isn't good, as you could imagine. In, in a lot of parables that Jesus teaches, there's kind of a sad ending. But it's used as a strict warning for us to pay attention to, to take caution. There in verse 31, he said, When his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved. He came and told their master all that had been done. It was a sad thing. The fellow servants in this kingdom were grieved. They were troubled in their hearts that the servant treated the other so badly, so rudely, throwing him into prison because of such a small debt. In verse 32, Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So the king throws the servant into prison. He delivers him to the torturers till he should pay off the debt. He wasn't ever going to pay off the debt. He's going to be too busy being tortured. He wasn't going to be able to go accumulate funds. I'm not sure if they had a GoFundMe back then. Uh, I seriously doubt it. So I think that guy was kind of stuck where he is. And that's unfortunate. Don't put yourself in this position. Don't put yourself in this situation where there's even a chance that God would say the same thing to you. That God would deliver you to the torturers till you should pay off that debt that you owe God because you were unforgiving to your fellow man. You know, we sow what we reap. That seems pretty obvious. We sow what we reap. In Galatians 6 and verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. That's a very common theme throughout Scripture. Very common theme throughout the Bible. And a lot of people today are pretty surprised when things don't exactly go their way. Even though they've worked all their life sowing evil, and then reaping corruption and reaping evil and reaping bad things, and they're just shocked. They're surprised. Don't be shocked and surprised that Christ tells you that if you don't forgive others, that you won't be forgiven. Because when you sow unforgiveness, you will reap unforgiveness. Jesus teaches this time and time again throughout his ministry. There in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14, he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It seems pretty simple. It's easy to say. It's easy to read. But sometimes it's hard to execute. Sometimes it's hard to actually go do and be forgiving time and time again. Forgiveness has no limit. That's another thing that, that we should notice. Forgiveness has no limit, especially from God. But it shouldn't have limit from us. There, back in verse 21, we already read this, but we'll go ahead and read it again. It says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. All right, so let's do the quick math. It's 490 times. All right, now this doesn't work like a rewards membership. 
You know, in college, we'd go to Bahama Bucks all the time, and they had these cards, and if you got, like, if you bought 10 snow cones, you'd get another one for free, any size, and it was awesome. I think I did that one time. I got up to 10, and then I got this huge snow cone. Don't think I ever made it back. And, you know, we, we've got the Chick-fil-A Awards app or something like that. You get all these points at Chick-fil-A, and me and Jensi are, like, the highest members or something. We're in the Red Club because we've spent so much money at Chick-fil-A. But that's not what Christ is teaching here. He's not, he's not saying, all right, you know, tally it up up to 490. And when you get to 490, you're good. You've joined the exclusive I've Forgiven 490 Times Club. But what he's teaching is that it shouldn't have a limit. Don't worry about the number. Don't worry about the number. Don't count in your head. Don't keep a tally of how many times you've forgiven this person because they still deserve your forgiveness. They still deserve your forgiveness because ultimately God could tally up our debt. He could keep that, hang that over us, but instead he forgives us. He gives us a clean slate. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 7, it says, In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The riches of Christ's grace far, far outnumbers anything else. The riches of his grace far outnumber the amount of times that we could forgive somebody else. And the riches of his grace are innumerable and it has no limit. And so forgiveness shouldn't have a limit from us to our fellow man. <clears throat> so some things I want to notice as we close is that, of course, we have been forgiven the great debt of sin by God. As, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we share that with each other. We share the blood of Christ, and we share that gift. And we should always remember where we came from. We should always remember that debt that we had. Maybe that will push us to be more forgiving to others. The sin that's been committed against us by others is minimal compared to what we have done to God. And sometimes what we continue to do to God. That sin that we commit against each other is bad. It's not a good thing. But it's nothing compared to what we've done to God. So we should always be willing to forgive. Forgiveness isn't just commanded, but it's completely reasonable for us to do as we've looked at this morning. And if we withhold forgiveness, we will sow, we will reap what we sow. We are in danger of punishment from God. And of course, forgiveness has no limit from God. And so it certainly shouldn't have a limit from us. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.